Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You, Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 16th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXIX. We're in the last paragraph that begins with, I do not hold with those. Today's readers are Paula, Marietta, Marcia, and Katie. The reference number for Monday, April 15th, is 4276. That's 4276. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Melanie to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, group. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. I will now ask Ann S. to read the 12 Traditions. Uh, hi, good morning. My name is Ann Kaposla Reader. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
each group ought to be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, our group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Uh, Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page XXIX in the doctor's opinion and we're in the very last paragraph of that page. I will ask Paula to begin reading, please. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeat, and thank you also for your service this morning. I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. I've had many men who had, for example, worked a period of months on some problem or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorable to them. They took a drink a day or so prior to that date, and then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests, so that the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. You know, we see a couple of paragraphs before that it says, and unless a person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. So we see the psychic and the mental part, but wait, this is a twofold illness. This will come at you in both ways. And this part here is we're reading. I have had many men who've had, for example, because now he said, I don't hold. I don't agree with you. Why? 
because he saw. He says, wait a minute, this makes no sense. There it is. It makes no sense. Something else is working here. And he looked, and he said, they took a drink. Now look at, not immediately, they took a drink a day or so prior to the day. That something that was going to happen that was favorable to them. By the way, those that say, oh, I had this most awful thing happen. That's why. That's why I picked up the drink, the drug, the bite. That's why I did it. Wait, this was something good. Does it matter? Not to the body. Not to the mind that's set in motion. And then it said clearly, once that was taken, the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount. Oof, you set it in motion. You ain't going to stop it, honey. This thing is a rolling, and this thing is going to take you down with it. To all interests. Oh, so you say it was a business deal. Do you think if it was a child? Think if it was a mate? What do you think would not stop it? Be clear here. Nothing. It was paramount. This was, became the most important thing. These men were not drinking to escape. My goodness. No. They were drinking to overcome. That's it. That craving that was overcoming them beyond their mental control. So here the deadly duo comes into effect. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? You will need to press star one to unmute your phone. Good morning, it's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Hey, good morning, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We're in the doctor's opinion. Obviously, uh, we're studying Dr. William Silkworth's second letter of endorsement um, supporting this new movement called Alcoholics Anonymous. And this is penned from experience. This is a real-life experience. It says, I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. I've had many men who had, for example, worked a period of months on some problem or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorably to them. Uh, this actually comes from a bit of history. Uh, Bill Wilson actually had this experience. You know, Bill Will was having Bill Wilson was having a rough spot uh, in employment, and he was offered a business opportunity uh, from some some from some friends, some business acquaintances. And the condition was that he could participate in this business opportunity under the condition that he stayed sober. He had to stay sober. It was well known that he was an alcoholic, and he had to stay sober. Um, and they gathered at you know a, a business luncheon, and a bottle was being passed, and it passed you know by Bill Wilson, and of course he wasn't going to take a drink. Uh, and then it passed around the second time, and story goes that you know he had never had that type of alcohol before. He had never had that kind of drink before, and he took a drink. He made a decision. He'd never tasted any of that before. He took a drink. Of course, that triggered an allergy. He couldn't stop drinking, and he blew the whole deal. 
The problem was of his own making. So this is a wonderful, again, example of the twofold illness, the allergy of the body. The allergy of the body, Dr. William Silkworth found that in his work with alcoholics. He found that when an alcoholic like Bill Wilson took even a little bit of alcohol into his system, a switch went on inside of his body, and only one thing the alcoholic wanted to do, and that was to drink more alcohol. And, of course, you continue to drink and drink, and, of course, you get drunk, and the alcoholic is powerless over that once that switch turns on. He has no choice but to continue to drink. But here's the other element of our disease, and it's the greater aspect of our disease. Look at the next sentence. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date, and then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests. So here's the greater aspect of the disease. It was for Bill. It's for us as well. That decision to pick up. That decision to pick up, that's where the true insanity is. The insanity is before you pick up. Before you pick up. Bill knew the consequences. Bill knew he was in hot water. Bill knew if he drank, he was going to blow this whole opportunity and blow the deal. So this is the powerlessness. When we say that we're powerless, or in this case, Bill, over alcohol, what we really mean is, yes, there's bad things that happen when you drink. But the real problem is even after the alcohol, even after it's damaged, even after everything's explained to you in excruciating detail, you still go out and take that drink. That's the real problem. That was Bill's problem. So it says here, these men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. But that craving was triggered due to a decision to pick up once again. It's an inability to accept a disability, and that disability is the allergy of the body. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Karen, this is Kim. I could hear Kim, and then uh, I heard a couple of other people. Who else wanted to share? Uh, This is Karen. Karen. Karen L.? Yes, from New Hampshire. Okay. Kim, why don't you go ahead and then Karen L.? Thanks, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. And this paragraph really busts a lot of the myths that I had. You know, the reason I drink is because I have a miserable life. You know, if you had my life, you'd drink too. That's why I do it. I'm an emotional leader, and if I had things go my way, then I wouldn't have to eat like this. And Dr. Silkworth is saying here that, the, that this gentleman was having a business deal that was going to be settled favorable to him. Favorable to him. So things are going Bill's way. Things are happening in a positive way. And what Dr. Silkworth is trying to present is, you know, he works with over 50,000 alcoholics. And he would do this physical cure for them. He would get them dry. He would get them so that they were no longer feeling the phenomenon of craving. They no longer physically crave the alcohol. And he would send them out. And a lot of them would never come back. But there was a certain percentage of them that came back and then came back and then came back. It didn't matter how many times he was able to confine them in a safe place and get them free from the allergy. 
So it's saying here that is the mind, the mind is what brings us back to the apple. It doesn't matter if things go our way. I mean, one of the things we hear a lot in programs is people, places, and things. People, places, and things. If you avoid these people, places, and things, you will be okay. But that's once again on the physical plane. Because it's not the people, places, and things that is making us go back to the alcohol. It's the obsession of the mind. The obsession of the mind that tells us when we're having the deal is going to be favorable to us, it's okay to drink. When the deal is happening poorly for us, we're going to, you know, we, we should drink. I mean, I love this idea when Leah talked about the, you know, the, that he was being passed around alcohol he never had, which I have to say from Jersey, that, that alcohol was Jersey lightning. But how many times have I picked up because Reese's Pieces came out with a new form of nails and dark chocolate? I have to have it. My favorite binge food was Oreos, and when that came out as a cereal, I have to have it. We use any excuse, any form of experimentation to prove that we are like others and we can still take that bite. How many of us have dieted to get down to a wedding and we get within a certain amount of weight and we think, okay, I'll just have a couple a couple weeks before the wedding. And then we fake an illness because we don't fit in the dress anymore that we bought for the wedding. Or we do that for a reunion or for a holiday party. And we get this close and then we pick up and we don't, we don't go to the event. You know, there was a point that I just decided I had to stop dieting because the problem was every time I dieted, I gained weight because the obsession of the mind was so strong that spring back, if I lost 20 pounds and I was free of that craving, that obsession of the mind was so strong that once I picked up that food, I would gain 30. If I lost 30, I would gain 50. So he's saying here, these men were not drinking to escape I mean, we weren't drinking just because life was bad. It wasn't just drinking because things weren't going their way. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. So once we pick up that food, our body demands that we have that food. So we will never be cured of that allergy. But if we walk through these steps and we get a connection with God, we are going to get rid of those thoughts. The obsession will be removed. And then we will no longer want to eat, which means we will no longer trigger the allergy. So if we think that we can go to enough meetings to distract us, if we think we can avoid people, places, and things, if we think we can rest and manage well so that things go away and we're not going to pick up, if we are a true compulsive overeater, Dr. Silkworth is demonstrating the fact that it doesn't matter. If we have that obsession of the mind, we will always go back to the allergy. And if we have the allergy, we will always binge. And that is our reality. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Karen L., go ahead. Yes, hi. Um, Boy, what a powerful um, statement uh, reading. I can remember when I was at that threshold, when I had such... um, craving or I was like the extreme just thinking about Friday nights coming Friday nights coming and I'm like oh no at first I didn't want to drink and then I and I just put it down I was just controlling 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 and then this is sort of the beginning of the first binge and um, I went to the leap because I had this fear of Friday night being alone for the weekend would just it was just growing, growing, growing. And it was an obsession of the mind, as 
the previous person had said. And it was a, a craving that was beyond my control, where I went from one addiction to the, another, the other addiction, which I, I couldn't stop. And, um, but anyways, and I, it's, what's strange is that, and then was that I, I'm at it right now. I have to make this decision, and it has to do with a deal from work. Um, having to do with my situation, and it had, had to, has to be made uh, today, and I have to, <laughs> I can't believe this, and um, and it, it's growing in me, this obsession of the mind about what I should do, because everybody said, well, if you pray about it, you pray about it, it's going to come to you what you need to do, and it still isn't clear to me what I need to do, and when I look back at this situation here, if this is Bill, um, you know, he had a lack of power. Well, I had a lack of power too, and that's why I went from one substance to another. And then, of course, people were involved too as part of my user. But um, I today I have a face. So that's the difference between what was happening in that, quote, craving and being the most paramount thing in my life. So I have to continue to grow, to enlarge my faith and my belief. Um, that is my, the, as far as I'm concerned, but the only solution for me is to continue to enlarge my faith, my relationship with God, and you know I have to believe that He's going to re- reveal to me what I need to do. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Well, I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I too love this uh, this sentence, uh, the last sentence of the paragraph. These men were not drinking to escape; they were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. And you know, my experience is that when I came into OA in 1994, I weighed 340 pounds, and um, you know, what I wanted to discover, what I wanted to uncover, and what, what I wanted to peel back was um, the reasons why I was a compulsive overeater. It, was, it, it became very important to me to figure out why. Why was I a compulsive overeater? And, you know, what I, was, what I spent a lot of time doing is trying to figure out, you know, from my history or my genetic uh, predisposition or exactly what it was, you know, that made me a compulsive overeater. Um, when, you know, I mean, I'm not quite sure what I was hoping to do with that information, you know, perhaps, you know, change my DNA in some way, you know, I'm not quite sure. When the real, the real question was, why do you compulsively overeat? I mean, that's really the question here. Why is it that I would pick up the food over and over and over again? You know, I mean, for me, I happen to wear my, the consequences of my disease on my body. I mean, I weighed 340 pounds, for crying out loud. Um, you know, and, you know, trying to figure out why I was fat. Well, I was, I was morbidly obese because I ate too much. Well, why did I eat too much? Um, you know, because I was raised by parents who were compulsive overeaters, because there's a lot of food out there that, um, you know, was bad for me, and I kept picking that up over and over again. You know, I mean, I just spent years spinning around in my head why it was that I was a compulsive overeater. And, you know, honestly, the answer is right here. The answer is right here in the last part of this, this sentence. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. It didn't matter why I had that craving beyond my mental control. It was what it was. It did not matter why. Um, it mattered that that was 
that was the re that was why I compulsively overate. That was why I compulsively overate. You know, it's interesting to me. I mean, these first pages in the big book, you know, they outline perfectly what. Um, not only what my problem is, but what the solution is for that problem. It says, let's get down to the root cause here. Let's get down to what your problem really is, Christy. Um, you know, you've got an allergy of the body, meaning that you cannot ingest certain foods without developing that phenomenon of craving. And it didn't matter to me what was going on in my life. You know, I could say that I ate because I was an emotional eater. Well, it didn't, you know, what was I going to do? Not become a human being anymore? I mean, I'm an emotional human being. I mean, that's part of what makes, you know, distinguishes me from other animals roaming around on the planet, that I have emotion. And, um, you know, it didn't matter whether I was having a good day or a bad day. I ate. I could read a magazine ad and it would trigger a craving. You know, I could hear people mention a particular food and I could not stop thinking about it until I had it. It didn't matter whether times were good or times were bad. I had to have that food and I would not stop thinking about it. I could not stop thinking about it until I had it. And, it and once I took, ingested that particular food in my body, I could not stop eating it. You know, my problem was that I could not stop from starting, and once I started, I couldn't stop. That was my problem. And, you know, the only solution that I have found that has worked, you know, and it's worked without exception, regardless of what's happened in my life from September 9th of 2001. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in my home, no matter what's going on in my head, it has worked without exception. And I just had to face the fact that I had an allergy of the body and I had an obsession of the mind. And if I could accept that, if I could accept that, I didn't have to uncover anymore why I had the obsession of the body or why or the obsession of the mind or why I had the allergy of the body. If I could just accept that that's the way it was, then I could also accept the solution that's outlined in the big book. And with that, I will pass. Is there anyone else who would like to uh, share on this particular paragraph? This is Janice. Uh, Janice, why don't you go ahead and then we'll get other folks in the line up here. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, so I, this, this paragraph right here, you know, thank God that Dr. Silkworth was able to give us such a clear-cut picture of his experience, of his experience and what he had learned, you know, what he had learned. And so he was able to state categorically, I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. Big statement, big statement. Because before this, hadn't that been what people were thinking. If you would just put the bottle down, if you would just stop drinking, why don't these people stop drinking? These people should stop drinking, right? Look at the problems they face. Look at the things that keep happening to them. Why don't they just stop? Well, I don't know about you, but if that had been within my power, I would have stopped long ago. I tried to stop hundreds of times. Hundreds of times, but I could not stay stopped. And if it had been entirely a problem of my mental control, 
I'm a pretty strong person mentally. I would say that to myself. What's wrong with me? I'm a pretty strong person mentally. But Dr. Silkworth was giving me and everyone else a a very clear-cut example that he saw men who could have had a very successful experience, something that they had been working on, a business deal perhaps, a big business deal perhaps, like Bill W. had been working on. And if it had been only a problem of mental control, well, don't you think things would have gone a whole lot differently? But they didn't for me, and I could see myself in this example. I could see myself. It was a way in which the denial would begin to be cracked, the denial that I was not like other people. You know, I wanted to believe for a very long time that I was like other people, and if I just had enough mental control, if I just dug deep and this time, this time it could be different. But he's saying something here that I absolutely needed to hear, that it was not just my mental control, that I suffered from this phenomenon of craving, but that there was something in me that made it a dual, twofold disease, that that phenomenon of craving would always be with me, was something in me that I could not change. But now he's giving me a glimpse Oh, my God, now it's something about my mental control as well. And that denial began to be cracked open. And I began to see that perhaps this was me as well. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sherry. Uh, Was that Sherry? Yes, Sherry Kay in Georgia. Very good, Sherry. Go ahead. Oh, it's great to be here. Um, I underlined a phrase there in that paragraph, uh, favorably to them. You know, it was all, um, it was, everything was going just perfect, just right for for these um, these men and their, um, uh, I mean, and, and they blew it. You know, I don't, it was just, for me to see that phrase, it was like, that just told me, the true insanity of of um, this addiction. Um, and another thing that I heard someone say that really clicked with me was, um, because I did not think about this before, that when I have something one day, like, you know, like something I'm not supposed to have, and uh, and I think, okay, this is all. But it does continue day after day. I thought that just that time, even if it's a binge and I finish it and I'm done with it, but that doesn't mean it's done. That it, it will come back, and then it will come back again. It, it's like a instead of a one-hour binge or a one-day binge, and I think I'm done. It's it's a binge that will last several days, and then weeks, and then a couple of months. I'm off and running, and and even more than that. And so I really thank uh, the person that that said that, because I had not even thought about that, that um, the phenomenon of the obsession uh, is, is not just temporary. 
I'm in trouble. That, that just meant a lot to me. So anyway, thank you. Thank you, and I'll pass. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sherry. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Karen. Monica. Oh, Janet. Uh, let's see. I heard I uh, heard a number of folks here. Was there a Sharon, and then I heard Monica, Janet, mm-hmm. and Sharon. Janet. All right. So Sharon, Monica, and Janet. Sharon, go ahead. That would actually be Karen. Karen. Oh, Karen. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Karen. Okay. This is Karen. Um, I took a dr- that line. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date, and the phenomenon of craving was at once so paramount that other to other interests that no that the important appointment was not met. And so what happened to me was I was in a diet club and I was abstaining from my binge foods just because that was what I put down, and I lost a significant amount of weight. And we planned a vacation. And on the plane, I took up some of those binge foods, and I just went crazy. We got to the, we went to um, Copenhagen, and they had a buffet brunch breakfast, and I binged on that, and I had to be sick that day. And so the very trip that we were planning, the very first day, I was so sick because of the phenomenon of craving. And so I'm just grateful to be in this meeting and focus on both parts of that. And so thank you. Thank you, Karen. Monica, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And so here in this paragraph here, Dr. Silkworth is writing to us that he is not agreeing with what has been the thought all for years and centuries before this, that alcoholism was a mental issue, that it was a moral issue, that it was a matter of being weak or being weak-willed or being a sinner. He's saying, no, there's some, there is a physical aspect to this um, alcoholism. It is a disease. And what he's trying to explain here is that, okay, we've got someone here who has been sober, who has put the plug in the jug and has not been drinking and thing is going, everything's going well. He's got a business deal going on and it's going to work out for him. And he doesn't go why, but it's, we know it's the mental obsession. For some reason, he made a decision. Something told him, you know, okay, this would be okay this time to pick up. And what he's really talking about here is he took that drink and the phenomenon of craving, phenomenon, experience, fact of craving, intensely wanting, became paramount, became primary, foremost, supreme to all other interests. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome. So what he's trying to really point out here is the physical allergy part of our disease. That you've been sober for a while, but for some reason, if you pick up a binge food and make that decision and put it in your mouth, you're going to set off this phenomenon of craving, this intensely wanting and if you're a compulsive overeater, like I've been a compulsive overeater, you know what that means. You take that first bite, and that first bite takes you, and you're along for the ride, and you have absolutely no control. 
You remember that wanting, that craving, you start it, it sets off this allergy, this abnormal reaction in our bodies, and we are along for the ride. I would crave, I would want, and I did not care about anything or anyone but getting that next bite down my mouth as quickly and as fast as I could. I didn't care. I wanted it. I knew I was going to hate myself later. I knew it, but I didn't care. That craving was so powerful. That's all I could think of. And that's what he's saying here. That that craving, they were drinking to escape. They're drinking to overcome this craving. And that's the physical aspect of this disease. And this is why we have to identify our binge foods. We have to put them down. And you cannot pick up a single bite morsel of your binge food because it will set off this allergy. Because for some reason or other, we're abnormal here. We're different from normal people. Something chemically, genetically, we don't know what it is. We don't have to know. It's just a fact. I've got this and I have to not pick up a binge food or it will set off the cravings. And I'm on that roller coaster road and who knows when I'll stop and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Janet, go ahead. Yes, this is Janet and I am a compulsive overreader. And I am so grateful for this uh, meeting and uh, the um, sharing uh, that takes place, you know, when we read these paragraphs, to pull these paragraphs apart. I, um, I, I take my disease of compulsive eating very, very seriously. Um, I... I have in my medical records, um, because I tell them I do have an allergy. I have an allergy to um, sugar and to wheat, and I, I, won't, uh, I won't take, don't want those substances in any form. So if I were to go in a hospital or something, you know, I guard that, and I make sure that I don't get anything that uh, has anything like that in it. So on my medical records, they've listed my allergies, and they have certain medications, and and one medication is listed as critical, and then they have a couple of medications that are listed as moderate, and then it comes sugar and wheat, and it says moderate, and that's something that I want to be able to, uh, to discuss further with my with my doctor because I don't think that for me that's not moderate. It's critical. It's very critical uh, because I believe that, you know, uh, that phenomenal of craving that would take over. I don't know if I would come back again. I've been many times in many years uh, battling this uh, compulsion. And uh, 11 years ago, uh, God by the grace of God, I was able to find a direction and and be be sick enough and tired enough of being so sick that I was willing to take direction for the first time. And since then, I have not had that desire to pick it up. Uh, thank you, God. Uh, because we do have this, this book and we do have a solution. 
um, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, I have, um, before that, I know that I was I was allergic to some of these medications, and these medications would make me sick. Well, they made me sick, and I didn't want them. But the fact that the food was making me sick, I would go right back to it. I could not. I had doctors tell me that if I I didn't take the weight off, I wouldn't be walking. Or I, My answer to that was to go eat. Uh, and I did that again and again. Nothing could deter me from picking up that that bite that I, I was craving. And it got to the point where it was certainly, at one point in my life, early on, it must have been for pleasure. But after years, it wasn't pleasure anymore. Uh, it, it gave me no pleasure. I was craving and I was looking and just looking for that next perfect whatever it could be that was going to uh, satisfy that craving. And I got to the point where nothing was satisfying it, and I just needed more and more. Uh, I don't ever, ever want to go back to that again, ever. And uh, I look at that as critical, not moderate. It's very critical. Uh, I recently uh, just attended the funeral of my nephew. And very sad uh, uh, a young man who was just grossly obese, and yes, he dropped dead of a heart attack. But would he have had the heart attack if his heart hadn't been so taxed by his weight? I know where this disease would take me, and I, I, um, I take it seriously, and I pray for all those that you know that suffer that they can find a direction. Uh, I'm just glad that I have this direction and this works for me. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful for all of the strong recovery I hear here. And uh, thank you. That thank you. Thank you, Janet. With that, why don't we move on to the next uh, two paragraphs. Marietta, if you could read those first two paragraphs on page XXX. Hi, this is Marietta Recovered from Virginia. There are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving which cause men to make a supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. <clears throat> the classification of alcoholic seems most difficult and in much detail is outside the scope of this book. There are, of course, the psychopaths who are emotionally unstable. We are familiar with this type. They are always going on the wagon for keeps. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions, but never a decision, and I pass. Thank you, Marietta. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Mark in New York. I'd like to share, please. Sure. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. You know, the uh, AA Big Book is such a precious thing to me. I, uh, I, I'm, in two, I'm in another program, but I use this book so much because it has direct um, and for this program, it's so clear what the directions are. 
the phenomenon of craving, I mean, I've been absent. I've been in OA for about eight, nine years, I think. And I'm, uh, I went in the hospital last year and almost died, and I was down 130 pounds, and now I'm at 185. I'm a good weight. And the gift that I have, you know, it talks in a lot of the literature about having a spiritual awakening. And, you know, I prayed for that for a long time. I God, I want to be willing to do that. And But it took me almost dying in the hospital last year to put me in a place where I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to be abstinent today. I send my food to my sponsor. I meditate and pray. But I'm always aware that phenomena of craving can take over at any time. I have three meals a day. I have a snack. But, you know, I, have to, I write it down. I send it to my sponsor every day. But I have to watch every meal. And, you know, I'm so grateful for the promises of the big book because it says I can go anywhere as long as I'm in fit spiritual condition to go there. Because then I don't, then I don't have to worry about am I going to compulsively overeat? You know, am I going to not have the right foods there? So if I don't think I do, I'll take them with me. You know, plan ahead. That's what I do. For me, one of the tools of OA is have a plan for the day. I have a plan for the day. I know exactly what I'm doing. And uh, so I'm not walking around the house going, what do I do next? Anyway, that's my share for today. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Katie. Katie, go ahead. Um, they're always going on the wagon for keeps. They're over remorseful, making many resolutions, but never a decision. And I really thought I was making a decision, but I kept my will in there. I uh, tried to manipulate any uh, any sponsor that I worked with, any uh, food plan that I had. I still um, was not willing to be honest with what I was doing with food and therefore kept having food in my uh, plan that were um, binge foods. And that phenomenon of craving would take over and because I wasn't eating sugar, I just thought um, that I was someone who was constitutionally incapable of of uh, being honest. But, you know, this is talking about psychopaths. Well, I'm not a psychopath, but I certainly was uh, emotionally unstable, and I certainly was um, over and over and over again uh, sorry for what I had done the day before, but I wasn't willing to do what this book told me to do. I wasn't willing to admit step one. I thought that I was unique. So I'm so grateful that this is telling us it's not just about, um, it's not just uh, an emotional problem. It's not just a physical problem. It's a mental, spiritual problem. And we have a, a solution here. And I'm so grateful that we're studying this in such great depth because it's not, I tried for so many years to work the tools or work the steps without um, actually putting down the food. And I thought that, you know, if I, I had this idea that if I, you know, got my life in order and was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing with my life, if I just did 
you know, my heart's desire, if I just sought God and did what I was supposed to do, that somehow I wouldn't have this disease anymore. And that thinking got me to 24-hour-a-day binging and suicidal thoughts. So, you know, my best thinking was not um, the least bit helpful. In fact, it almost killed me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? Yeah, this Monica. is Katie. Leah. Uh, I heard a number of people. I heard <laughs> I heard Leah. Why don't uh, you go ahead, Monica, and then we'll catch everyone else too. Thank you, Christy. There are many. This is Monica, recovered compulsive overeater. There are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving, which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. And he's talking about the alcoholics here. And what is that supreme sacrifice that many of these alcoholics did? They committed suicide because they couldn't take it any longer. They couldn't live any longer rather than continue to fight. And you know, I've heard that compulsive overeating is suicide on a layaway plan. We might not be taking the quicker way out, but we're taking the slower way out when we continue in this disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. There are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. Indeed, I mean, we just read the example of Bill Wilson, what happened to him. I mean, uh, you know, and I relate to that, you know, because perhaps things are going well, perhaps, uh, you know, things are looking up and, and you know, uh, because of the obsession of the mind, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the suffering, I can't remember the torture, all I can remember is the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once after taking a few bites, so you make a decision, you pick up, and then that phenomenon of craving is triggered, and that feeling intensifies it never gets satisfied and uh you know you just can't stop you can't stop you can't stop once you started and you can't stop from starting again and it is exhausting being in disease makes you weary it makes you exhausted it is mental torture emotional turmoil it's a roller coaster every day and you get worn out at least i got worn out uh, I got worn out. I got worn out from the actual binging because it's exhausting and it's so hard on the body. And then, of course, if you uh, dance towards other elements of the disease in, in terms of trying to control it with some purging or some laxative abuse, your body is uh, deteriorating on a daily, le- you know, daily basis. It is wearisome. And then finally, let's say you summon up and you eliminate some of your binge foods and you try to summon up a few days or weeks or months of abstinence and, and you're holding your breath underwater. That's exhausting too. And then, of course, the beast keeps whispering in your ear, continuing to deliver the option of picking up that first bite. And finally, you have all that noise in your head, and at some point, you just can't take it anymore. And just to quiet down all the numerous personalities and voices between your ears, you pick up to quiet all the torture and torment going on in that brain, and, of course, trigger the allergy. It's exhausting. 
Now, the sick mind can't heal a sick mind. Only God can remove that obsession of the mind because a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. But the bottom line is we're creator of our own pain. That's why we need a new mind. Uh, and this suicide, you know, that they're talking about here, I know, you know, every breakdown is an opportunity for a breakthrough, and that was certainly true for me. As I sat there with a piece of shattered glass in one hand, thinking about pressing it into the wrist of the other. It says the classification of alcoholics seem most difficult and in much detail is outside the scope of this book, meaning that for the next few sentences they're going to talk about different uh, classifications of the disease. But the bottom line is, do you have an allergy of the body? It doesn't matter to what extent, whether you got to the quicksand or you didn't. When I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that had the same effect on me like alcohol had on the alcoholic. It wasn't just a taste sensation. When I ate certain foods, my body was triggered, and I would eat more and more of those substances, and I stopped feeling, and I stopped thinking, and I just numbed out. And I would eat more and more until I was anesthetized, until I was sedated. I basically chewed my booze. I was drunk on food. That puts me in a very specific class. Yes, I am bodily and mentally different from other people. That is true. I am a real compulsive overeater, and I know that today, and I accept that fact today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Uh, we've got time for one more person to share. If, there, if there's anyone else who would like to share on, the next, on those two paragraphs. Judy? Judy, go ahead, please. Thank you, Christy. Hi, this is Judy, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Massachusetts. Um, what two things came out in the first paragraph, um, you know, which caused men to make supreme sacrifice that rather than continue the fight. And that was me. I had, um, at the end, I had suicidal ideation. I was hospitalized once for... Um, a suicide attempt, and then a year later, I was back in the same situation. And, um, you know, this sometimes it's, I mean, I, I had 40 or 50 pounds overweight, but it's, you know, that when I um, have that physical craving and I pick up, not only, you know, does it do something physically, but um, it gets something mentally. And I really thought that was the way out, that was the only way out. And I also had a friend in um, program that was thin, weighing and measuring, and she did kill herself. And that, um, and she was not working the steps. And so that really, I mean, this is a fatal illness in so many ways, not just with the consequences of being overweight, but um, to the mind. Um, and then um, how powerful the, the last sentence, they are ever... Re- over-remorseful and make many resolutions but never a decision. And I would want to be different. I would want not to pick up because I hated the consequences, but to really make that decision of I'm, I'm turning my will and life over and whatever someone says, I'm following directions. I still thought I could figure this out until I finally made that decision and um, and followed directions and got into the steps and followed a food plan. Um, but that decision is powerful. Um, we are powerless, but we, there is a power. And, um, and making that decision followed by action 
we can get to that higher power and um, which can um, give us a way out. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Judy, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marsha, will you please read a vision for you? Marsha, can you press star one to unmute? Katie, are you okay to read? I'm sorry, I'm here. My, uh, oh, okay. Yes. Thank you, Katie. Marcia, go ahead. Right, Marcia, why don't you go ahead? Yes, I will. Uh, good morning. My name is Marcia. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.